Welcome to the Thoughts Uncovered podcast by Voyage Manchester. I am your host, Beck Simmons. I am a mindset coach and hypnotherapist, helping others on their mental well-being and self-development journeys, while still very much on my own journey of self-discovery and self-awareness. This is an open, non-judgmental space where myself and others will be sharing their journeys and experiences, discussing all things mental health, self-development and mindset. Things are about to get a little bit deep, but I'm here to shed a light to remind each other we aren't alone. We are all living this shared human experience. It's actually one thing we all have in common. Despite our differences, like physical health, we all have mental health. And although not everyone will experience a mental illness within their lifetime, because we are all on this crazy journey called life, we may all struggle with our mental health from time to time. Hey guys, we're back again with more Thoughts Uncovered. Today I am joined by Malcolm Oney. He is my good friend who I knew when I was in high school and like sixth form and we've recently reconnected again um, via Instagram when I started up my business. We started chatting in the DMs about all sorts to do with like mindset, self-development, his journey, my journey. So we thought it would be great for him to come on and talk a little bit about his journey and how he feels his childhood experiences and also just experiences over the past few years as well um, have ended up shaping who he is today. And also we end up going into all sorts of things um, to do with love languages and about breakdowns of relationships, um, generational trauma, all sorts of stuff. So I hope you enjoy. So hey guys, I'm here with my friend Malcolm and we were going to discuss today a little bit about how your upbringing can shape the person that you are um, as you go into adulthood. So welcome, Malcolm. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess um, it's a very interesting topic and something I've been thinking about over the past few days and of course, there are like, um, you know, factors such as your school friends, you know, the school you went to, the area you're raised in, the country you're raised in, your ethnic background. They, they all kind of determine who you are as a person when you grow up. But I'd say primarily your upbringing and your parents that raised you probably play the biggest part in that. Um, so probably to delve into my sort of upbringing, um, first of all, I was like the oldest of three. So I'm the oldest, I have two younger siblings. And obviously I was raised in the sort of an African household. So already in African culture, that's such a big deal in the sense of, you know, being the oldest, it's like you're sort of the second leader, you know, and effectively I'm supposed to be my um, siblings' leader, their carer, you know, I'm supposed to be their go-to person. I guess essentially the idea is that, you know, if something ever happened to my dad, for example, I would sort of step in and take the lead. I know it sounds very traditional, but that's just the way it is in a lot of African households, including mine. So I guess there was probably already some pressure on my shoulders before I even came as a, as a very young person. Um, but yeah, going into what we my, the, the, my the dynamic of my mum and dynamic of my dad, they were almost polar opposites. Um, my mum's cute, soft, lenient, patient, you know, and much more, I'm sure you get the idea of the kind of person she was. But my dad, on the other hand, was basically the polar opposite. Very tough, very emotionless, no affection. You know, he was basically a drill sergeant, if I'm honest. He could have been a lot nicer in, in a lot of situations, um, but I guess it was his way of making us tough cookies and he treats my younger brother and my younger sister the same kind of way, I'd say. Um, his outlook on life was basically that sort of survival tactic, but that's probably linked to his 
upbringing, you know, the idea of, um, you know, eat or be eating or, or make sure you're as tough as possible to deal with, deal with the various challenges that life will bring. Um, you know, that kind of mindset, I don't ever give the people the opportunity to do you over, you know, that kind of mindset. Um, but then on the flip side, my dad was very tough, but he also um, always made sure to communicate the importance of being generous, being giving and being truly sacrificial. And that's obviously linked to me being the oldest, you know, genuinely putting them before you, put your young siblings before you. So it's great. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, I was actually terrified of my dad growing up because he was so tough and so emotionless. And that led to things like, you know, feeling like I was about to please him or feeling like I wasn't good enough. Um, but then obviously in hindsight, you grow up and realise that maybe that was just his way of, of doing things. It doesn't mean I wasn't good enough. It doesn't mean he didn't love me. Um, and moving on to love, my parents love me in very different ways. Um, my mum showed it through physical touch. So hugs, kisses, as mums do. You know, small acts of service, such as, you know, laying our beds for us in the morning, tidying our rooms while we were in school, you know, cooking for us, teaching me the important skills, you know, which made, which makes me really domesticated today. Um, you know, those little things that mums do. Uh, but my dad probably showed it through large acts of service. So for example, you know, the school he sent us, he sent me and my siblings to, you know, when I turned, when I turned a certain age, he bought my first car, you know, that kind of stuff. So I guess... Um, it was interesting how they both loved, and obviously when you're young, maybe you, your version of love is is, is my mum's side, but then you don't realise the sacrifice and the and, and the love it actually takes to do the things my dad did through through large acts of service. Um, no, I was just gonna say, do you feel that the reflection that time that you've had now as an adult, like looking back on the way that both your mum and dad showed their love, do you feel like you see it differently now to to how you did then? Yes, I'd say that. Um, I'd say that. You know what? I actually would say that I appreciated both sides, and 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 it's very. I feel like it was very bittersweet upbringing. I think, but obviously, my mum. It was amazing. It was cute. It was nice. It was really nice. Like, and that's that plays a big influence in who I am today. But my dad also. It's actually, I actually appreciated his tough, his tough love. Um, as hard as it is to say, it's kind of necessary. I feel like a bit of mm-hmm. tough love is necessary for every child because. I guess if you sh- if you shower your kids with too much love and not the other side, it sets false expectations for the world we live in. And obviously, we live in a challenging world. Everyone has their challenges, whether it's financial challenges, emotional challenges, health challenges, family challenges. Everyone has their all their fair share of struggles and things they're going through. So, you know, regardless of what life brings to you, you have to be strong enough to be able to you know you know face whatever problems you have take it on the chin, solve that problem or it's out of your control and you need to be able to accept it and move on with it. So I'd say I'm probably grateful for the for the childhood in in a way. So it helped me massively. Oh I've answered your question. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um I guess like thinking about myself as an adult now, I'm probably a mix of both my parents. I think I think I am. I like to refer to myself as this so I feel basically I feel like I'm part teddy bear, part grizzly bear. So both in one. So <laughs> And as I said before, I feel like everyone needs a bit of tough love. Um, but then on the other side, we also need the soft side. We also need affection, words of affirmation, etc. Because yeah. all of this obviously trickles down into how we love when we enter romantic relationships, how we treat our friends, how we treat our pe- the people closest to us, how we how we'll how we will be parents as well. Um, you know, how our upbringing is a massive factor in that. So I feel like it's very important um, to be raised. You know, in a place where you have a healthy balance of everything. But if you didn't have that, yeah. also being self-aware of the fact that you didn't have, 
and making sure that you make that change so you don't like affect generations down the line to you so and mm. and I'll look back and think yes I, I in a way I had a great childhood materially like I had everything I needed materially but I didn't necessarily have what I needed emotionally but that's okay because the best part about me growing up is the fact that I can start a family now and I can just say right this this and this wasn't ideal but it's okay because I can just make sure I start my own family and build my own values and do things things do things a bit better than than your way exactly so so I don't so I don't yeah. see it as a be all and end all I just see it as an opportunity to, to, for me just to you know use that introspect just to just make better changes down the line I'd say um, yeah I think I think that's something that um, I I always think that when I look at like both my parents I think there's so much that you're grateful for that they've done for you but then at the same time I think they teach you lessons that you think okay well going forward I'm going to do that with my kids or hopefully you know if I go on to have a family and I definitely won't be doing that do you know what I mean so it gives you that like I don't know that reflection of the good and the bad and how then you want to show up in the world with your children doesn't it exactly and it also makes you realize how how actually difficult it is to be a parent in my opinion you know mm. like when I always think I often think okay what will I be that one a parent you know you know Push them too hard or push them too little. Showing too much love or showing too little love. Spoiling them too much or spoiling them too little. Credit where credit's due, you realise it can't be easy because everything has to be done in like a perfect balance. And how do you know if you're doing too mm. something or too little or something? And obviously every child is different. Every every child is different. Every child needs to be raised in a certain type of way. There isn't a different way. Um, so it is difficult. Um, so and I know the day comes and I'll be a parent. I'll be reading plenty of books before that baby gets to make sure yeah i think i think what you just said then as well like it, i kind of got to that point when i can't remember it was like maybe back end of uni um i always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with my mum and i think when i started to realize like going into adult life like how hard it actually is to be an adult the emotions that you go through daily and then thinking about like my mom at the age of so i would have been to say at the back end of uni i would have been like 21 22 so my mom had a baby at that time and she was married and i was thinking like i couldn't even imagine having a child right now being married and like then dealing with all of this emotion that i've got and dealing with the whole like growing up in your 20s and learning about yourself and all that stuff so I kind of had a moment of like appreciation and like a deep reflection of like okay you know yeah I've always had this like love-hate relationship with her but realistically she was just doing the best that she could exactly and now you mentioned that my parents had me when my my mum and dad were 23 and 24 respectively so they were very young as well and I can't imagine being the 24 year old Malcolm or the 23 year old Malcolm having a child because I mean, arguably, you learn about yourself the most in, the, in, between, in between the ages of 21 and 25. That's what they... So I can imagine having to learn about myself and also raising a tiny human being at the same time. So when you say that, you know what? It just makes you have gratitude at the very least. You know, you, you, know, you look back and say, you know what? My child was actually okay. Uh, and my parents were just learning and they were just very young. Um, so yeah, you are right. I agree with that point. And it kind of helps me to see, like I said, that... I guess I try and see the other side of things. I don't see it all from negative. I try and see the positive side of things. And I try and obviously just see the good side and see that my parents were just very, very young and they were just learning. And, you know, we all learning life, mm. don't we? So. Definitely. 
So going back to what you were saying right at the beginning about um, obviously growing up in an African household, like the the difference in your culture where the eldest child, um, you know, there's a bit more responsibility put on on them. Um, how would you say like that has shaped you now as a person? So um, some more context in that. It was very interesting because I'm so grateful because I'm so close to my brother and sister now. But growing up, it was very hard because it was kind of like, we all know how it is being the oldest and you try and tell your little brother and sister what to do and they're like, why are you telling me what to do? You're not my parent. So it's kind of pressure from both sides, the pressure to appease my, my dad who was saying, okay, you have to lead, lead these lead your brother and sister, tell them what to do. If the house needs tidying up, tell them what to do. But then trying to please my dad but also trying to maintain a good relationship with my brother and sister because they're like excuse me you're not my, you're not my dad why are you telling me what to do so it, it was difficult in that sense and that's probably how it, how it's made me today it's probably just made me um it's probably helped me with it's probably helped me with probably people management so be, being a leader but leading people in the right kind of way and I don't, I, I probably don't, I, I, and the way I would lead, I wouldn't lead in the sense of telling people what to do. I'm more of a, someone who unites people in a team. And I believe in teamwork. Like, I personally don't like the idea of me telling people what to do and just sitting back. So my idea of leadership is pulling people together, but me also contributing as well. Um, so that's probably what I got mainly. It kind of helps me um, um, sort of discover that balance between leadership and, and also teamwork which has a positive knock-on effect in, in my place of work as well. Because, for example, if I'm, if I'm like passing work down to someone in work, I, w I would never pass work down to them that I can't do myself, you know. And that is just the idea of leading by example as well. Um, and I think one thing that helps massively with being a leader is probably leading by example. Because the fact that you're telling people what to do, but you're also doing that thing yourself and you're demonstrating that... Um, like, for example, if I was a parent and I was telling my kids to tidy up after themselves, I would make sure to tidy up after myself. I'd hold them to the same standard that I hold myself, if that makes sense. Um, and that's the main way that you that people take you seriously. I think if you're telling people to do something, but you're not doing that thing yourself, I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to take you seriously, whether young or old. Because um, they're just like, what's this guy talking about? How can he tell me what to do? How can he tell me to do A when he's doing B? So, um, yeah, I hope I'll answer that question. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think you do still get people who are telling other people to do X, Y, and Z, and then they're not doing it themselves. Um, but yeah, so there was another interesting point I wanted to come back to as well. You were talking about kind of like um, love languages of your parents. So would you say like, if you don't mind going into it, like your own love language now, do you think that has been molded by potentially the way that your parents were or like... How, how? What is your love language? What's my love language? Probably yeah. acts of service, actually, I'd say. Act of service is... Really? As in to give acts of service, yeah. Like, for example, I moved into my first house um, late last year, and one thing I find myself doing is I love having my friends around to cook for them and host for them. But I think that's probably linked to just being used to doing things with people growing up. Like, I, honestly... When I was at home, my parents lived quite busy, busy lifestyles. They had they had their own jobs, so a lot of the time I find myself cooking for my brother and sister, doing things for them, and it made me incredibly domesticated, incredibly independent. And I just find myself with someone who has so much energy and the want and need to give that energy out to other people. So probably right now, 
in 2023 that, that that is expressed through just cooking for friends like every opportunity i'll have to have someone around here to cook for a nice meal i just enjoy it mm. people giving people a good time that's probably that's my main love language so i'd say probably the dynamic of just getting being used to um looking after people has helped with that but then we look at it from a negative side i'd say i'd say growing up my dad held me to such a high standard to the point where he he made me feel like i could never be relaxed i always had to be doing something I always had to be productive so mm. flip side although my my love language is acts of service i'm not very good when people do things for me and i'm Totally right. always good at surrendering control in the sense of like that sounds toxic but it's not for us but um, in a, like, I'm happy just to do things with everyone I'm happy to be the one who always plans things and I'm not used to it um, when someone plans things for me um, so I kind of like I, I enjoy it and I appreciate it kind of just unusual to me but at the same time I'm a human being I deserve things to be done for me too it's not just me doing things for other people um that's mm. probably the negative side of that of that sort of childhood. You just feel like you always have to be doing something, and sometimes it's good just to be still and rest. And that's something, yeah. something I'm working on, just taking a step back and just resting a bit, and just letting other people do things for me. Sometimes, because mm. we were talking, weren't we, in the DMs, and and you were saying like you've got to a point now where this year, well, I think it was like the end of last year, where you've got to a point where you feel like you can actually relax a little bit more and not you know be content with not always doing something and that's something that you've had to work to get to yeah like honestly i'm just loving it i'm lo- like i'm in this state of just i feel i feel like in a sense of stability i'm settling into my career really well I'm settling into the new house really well. i just think i just reached a level of pure stability and now i just find myself just being so still and resting and just do it and you know i'll make sure that i have things planned in the evening just so i can just sit on that sofa and you know what i deserve it like you know, I've, I've spent most of my life feeling like I have to do something, feeling like I have to be productive, be on the go, be on the move. But you know what? Sometimes it's good for us just to sit and rest. So I'd say, yeah, I'm at a point where I'm just in a place of just such stability. I'm just enjoying just being in the moment, being still, not not and not even forward thinking. Because what you just mentioned, one one bad thing I had was something called destination syndrome. I think you've heard about it. So. I'd, I'd yeah. achieve one thing and instead of enjoying that thing I've achieved I'm really thinking about the next thing I'm going to achieve so right now I'm in this serious place of I'm not even thinking about what I want to I am thinking about it obviously but I'm not thinking about it day by day right now not in a yeah, not in the way. Way. I'm just enjoying the moment enjoying my space enjoying trying new recipes here, here there and everywhere and just doing what makes me happy which is just trying new recipes watching something on TV and playing some Playstation you know what I deserve it you know we're good yeah, because I've, yeah. I've obviously been in a state of constant activeness, so it's nice to be still. Yeah. What would your advice then be to people who maybe struggle a little bit more with being in that stillness, being in that calmness and actually allowing themselves to rest instead of always being on the go? I'd say you've got to probably find the root cause of the reason why you like that. Um like, 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 one of the things I will honestly openly say is that my childhood, my my upbringing was a mass, was a massive factor of all the things that were maybe troubling me in life. Like, and the fact that I get, I spent a lot of time on my own, a lot of time, like an unbelievable amount of time on my own, just un, you know, metaphorically unpacking, you know, just let's mm-hmm. just a suitcase full of dirty clothes, metaphorically, I've just been unpacking and just sort of figuring out so much. And I guess the only answer I have for that is there's always a reason why 
like you just have to kind of just dig deep and find that reason so i'd say people should think back to their life experiences think back to the good things that happen to them think back to the not so good things that happen to them more often the bad things that happen to you are the reason why you're having maybe negative experiences today so think back to the worst things that happened to you as a child you know as a teen as an adult and try and analyze why they're affecting you today so my advice to be is just to just be still spend some time think back to how to to to, to what's affecting you um um in the current because of the past and try and fix those things like for example i realize i realized like the reason why i might be really impatient as a person is because you know as as a, as a child my dad was really impatient with me so in a way you kind of, i kind of became a very impatient person um of example i became so i'm someone who's maybe who's maybe not so trustworthy of people but that's because i felt like i wasn't trusted as a child so just just being able to just you know understand where those personality traits and those things those trip ups came from it's probably mm. a massive assistance so i'd say to people think 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 um and just think about what's happened to you and try and truly be honest with yourself and and try and determine the reasons why those experiences are making you making you who you are today yeah and for you when did this because obviously you are quite clearly very self-aware now like you've got to a point where you you know obviously i know it's still a journey and we're still always learning new things about ourselves but you're at a point where you've clearly done a lot of work and like you just said a lot of unpacking of the suitcase um so like when did that journey start for you like when did you start to think right okay malcolm i need to start sorting my suitcase out i start i need to start unpacking all of this stuff i need to start working on myself um so one thing one thing I will say is that, is that if, if you if you don't humble yourself life will humble you so I'd say um probably a sudden ending of a long-term relationship that happened um last last year that was like a massive thing I didn't expect it it happened just like that literally in the space of a month it, you know mm. it's like building that just came tumbling down um right from my own eyes and then I never saw it coming until it was too late so I guess significant a significant life occurrence life occurrence a lot of significant life change caused me to obviously just you know take a step back from excellent in every every aspect of my life in general and just kind of just understand myself more you know i kind of went back to the drawing board in some ways and that probably helped me um so yeah i'd say that's it and my own advice to people would be do it do what you need to do now don't let something really bad happen to you or something really upsetting happen to you until you, you know, reach that point where you really look into yourself and make those changes you need to make. Because mm. before, because before, because before that even happened, I knew, I knew, I knew what I was like. I knew what I was like. I knew that I was maybe I had a lot to to, to sort out, but but I kind of just never dealt. With it. I just suppressed it and put it to the side. But then that significant occurrence, you know, as hard as it was, thank God it did happen because I've made some now lifelong positive changes that I'll carry with me until the day I die. So. It's kind of you found you you found the sort of I found the sort of um, silver lining in, in in such a you know dark cloud bit. yeah literally so it was um, that was that was it I'd say <laughs> yeah mm. yeah it's it's crazy isn't it because I think I was speaking to someone about this today actually like I think a lot of people think to maybe invest in coaching or invest in therapy or start working like on your self-development and self-awareness you have to hit rock bottom to do that but actually you don't like you can 
do it at any point really because there's always going to be stuff to unpack there's always going to be bits of ourselves to learn about and to work through and to process um so that's interesting that you said like you know don't wait until maybe a significant life occurrence happens for you to potentially like start doing that and working on yourself exactly start today literally like i'd encourage people to start today like there's any like you've only got one life first of all you don't want to waste your life being in being, you know you know if you can why not try and be the best version of yourself you can be today why why wait why wait you've only got one life life is too short and the last thing you want in this life is regrets or thinking oh i wish i did this differently wish i did that differently mm-hmm. i guess that's why we're here for me to talk to people and tell them like do this make sure you sort yourself out before something happens to you because as i said before if you don't humble yourself life has a way of humbling you so yeah i'd encourage people to sort themselves out sooner rather than later mm, i love that saying <laughs> i'm gonna remember it now it's a good one it is um so i was mentioned to you before but someone did um send in a question actually um and you said you were happy to kind of delve into it with me so um they asked what um our view was on generational trauma yeah it's definitely a thing that happens and and um it's definitely things a lot of people go through and i guess it's just what generational trauma means to me is maybe a style of a style of parenting that is 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 or, or certain things that happen in the family just gets passed down from generations. Like for example, you know, in some families you might have you know someone's you know down the line someone's great great grandfather who was just not really nice. They're not really nice to the kids. Did they? They didn't have a relationship with the kids. They maybe you know they, they maybe didn't treat the kids fairly. Um, the kids grew up to become that, that exact type of person, and they live that to their. Kids. Their kids became resentful and bitter, and then and then they had kids again, and it was the same thing. And then mm-hmm. because of all this, you find that families are broken, family and families are not together. You know, it can cause you know breakdown of marriages, um, and this is all because of these trends that have been happening in past generations just simply haven't been broken. So I'm definitely a believer mm-hmm. in that, and and I'd say to anyone who maybe suspects they may be a part of that, speak to your parents, ask your parents about stories, ask your grandparents yeah. about stories, try and understand how far it's gone back, where it's came from, exactly how many generations it's affected. And you mm. can be the one to decide to break that. Like for example, um for example, like if I think about maybe even mine, like like if, if I i I've heard stories about my grandparents, my great grandparents, they weren't particularly nice, to be honest. They weren't nice. Um and probably what and po- and probably what has broken mm. what is gonna break this now is, is probably me, my brother and my sister. We've kind of sat down about it we've spoken about it we've as i say we've unpacked we've, we've had a good conversation about it and now we know that we already know now from a young age we're going to make sure we don't do those things with our kids we're going to make sure we stay close to each other we're going to make sure we don't make maybe money and uh too much of an idol yeah. so we'll grow apart we'll always make sure to just stay close and, and make sure we're always united as a family and in doing that we believe that we'll break that generational trauma and generations below us or just simply hopefully follow suit to what we're doing. Um, so I guess, like I said earlier, it's about, like, things can happen, trauma, that's that could, that's a curve for generations can happen, but it's just your choice to make, to, to make it different, really, and do and make a change. And obviously there's different types of generational trauma, but I'm thinking about it. I'm only talking about it from maybe an emotional perspective or an upbringing perspective, um, I'd say. So... That's the, probably what I'd say to anyone. Just make that conscious decision to yeah. be different because, of course, it's very, very easy to be the same 
but then you have to make that decision to be the opposite and that takes a lot of introspect that takes you really looking deep into yourself because ultimately you know generational trauma most likely you're going to be partly affected by it at this point so you can decide just to be different before you have children um so you can obviously be the one to or even if you do even if you already had children you can make a decision just to do things differently and do mm. things better because ultimately generations down the line will, will, will be grateful for it yeah so it's about like breaking that cycle and making different choices yeah exactly making different choices choices because obviously generational trauma means that you know you're used to a certain kind of upbringing you're used to a certain kind of way that you're treated you talk to you know certain punishments that that might be but that might be frequent that you're used to from your parents and you might think you know you do you if you're not careful your phone's out trapped doing the exact same thing but I guess mm. you have to truly, truly look into yourself and think, right, did my parents' upbringing, did it really work? Do, am I an adult and I'm, and, and I'm resentful of my parents for the way they raised me? Okay, if I'm resentful, let me make a conscious effort not to do the same thing. Let me make a conscious effort to do different things for my children and generations down the line. So I think it's just about just making mm. a decision and just being realistic with yourself and just promising yourself not to go down that same path. Mm. And I think also, um, you know, with generational trauma what can happen is certain beliefs can be um then passed down so you know because of certain things that have happened in the past um certain traumatic events historical events um that have caused then trauma for people then that can create belief systems about certain things and then that starts to get passed down through generation to generation um but obviously you know now things are different to what they were then but sometimes we can still carry this old belief system um of you know how it was back then if that makes any sense exactly i know you are right when you say that and thankfully we're living in a world where you know the world is becoming more and more diverse um mm. you know you know people people's minds are more open than ever people are you know, you know, we've as we find ourselves trying things that our grandparents or parents have never tried before. We find ourselves in, you know, mixing with people from different ethnic backgrounds and and all of that that our parents or grandparents didn't do. So I'm grateful for the fact that we're living in a more diverse world, and I'm hoping this, you know, increased diversity can maybe increase people's way of thinking and thinking. You know what? There's a different way to do this. Um, like for me, like I'm very enough of it here, but. Obviously, I went to I went I went to a school where I had I had a couple some black friends that came from back when I had them, but I had some white friends, and it was interesting to see how their parents used to treat them um, compared to how, how my parents used to treat me, and it, and it was a bit like um, why are my parents like this? Mm. And obviously, that was them. But I'm so grateful for the fact that because we're in a, such a diverse place now, you know, the the, the good things that I've seen. You know, I'm grateful for the fact that I've seen the way my parents, the way my friends' parents treat them, because it just means I can pick up those things that I liked from their from their way of doing things, and I can keep the things that I like about my parents and combine the two together. So that's effectively combining two different cultures, minimizing the weaknesses of both, and then and obviously maximizing the strengths of both. Yeah, so that's it. We can learn. We can all learn off one another, can't we? And I think sometimes we all think we have a right way of doing things and you know that culture's got their way and that culture's got their way and they think it's the only way but actually when you look we can all learn from one another exactly we can we can indeed we can learn from each other yeah perfect okay so um 
have you got anything else to share with us? Because if not, I've got two questions I would like to ask you before we finish and wrap um, up. We'll go straight to the questions. Interesting. Okay, so so I feel like you've expressed a lot of gratitude already throughout this um, this podcast, Malcolm. But um, I just want you to tell us one thing you are grateful for today. I'm grateful to be alive today. Um, I probably we are in a new year. What are we? Twelfth of January today. So I guess it's just the fact that I just have you know this roof over my head. I have a job. I have good health. I have a family that loves me. You know. You know, I have, uh, you know, we're in a new year. It's kind of a new chapter, a new start. So I'm probably so grateful. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm in a position where I can just have a completely new start. You know, my mind's open to new things in this new year, new opportunities. I'd say I'm just grateful for life, really, in general. Um, You know, I'm just grateful for the fact that I'm alive. And when there's life, it sounds cliche, but when there's life, there's hope. Um, So, yeah. Oh, I'm grateful for just everything in general, like mm. especially this house, for example. Because I think about this time last year, I was in such a different position. I was still living with my mum and dad, you know, I was in a different job completely. And then, and obviously, and obviously, a year later, here I am just in this house every day, like it's nothing. But sometimes I'll, I'll wake up and I'll come downstairs and I'll just look at it and I think, oh my god, this is mine, I'm here. Like, I'm just so grateful for it. So, yeah, I'm just grateful for every all the little things, especially life and good health. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's like that moment of like um something that you wished and prayed for, you like you now live in. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I think um we forget that. We we you know how you were saying before you get to the next bit, you, you get to the next goal, you get to the next goal, like you start when you get to one goal, you start looking at the next one. Sometimes we forget to be like, Oh my god, I've actually reached the thing that I was praying for and wishing for, like last year or a few years ago and sit and be in it so it's nice that you can actually go downstairs in your house and be like wow i'm here yeah exactly because i spent probably a year to a year and a half you know throughout the whole house process just fantasizing about being here and now i'm here and i'm just living a life that i fantasized about and it's just my everyday life now so and this is probably linked this is linked to why i felt probably i feel very grateful so my way of showing gratitude is through my love language acts of service hence why i always like to have my friends here because it's, i feel like it's been given to me to also share good things with other people that's probably why i enjoy like talking mm. to people because i'm just so grateful for this space and i feel like if i've been given this space i've got to use it as well to sort of for the betterment of people in my life in my life as well so yeah it's just it's it, it, it really was a pinch me moment when i when i got the keys i remember it was a, it was surreal as it was a surreal feeling um so yeah i'm just yeah that's amazing. Okay, so the next question is just something that you love about yourself. Good question. <laughs> um, I love. I, I, I love. I love my. I love, I love my efficiency. I'd say probably like this is linked to just. This is also something that was quite tough when I was young. I remember when I got myself in in maybe like sort of trouble. Maybe I, maybe like I I can't get home. I was somewhere far. I can't get home. Or, I got a flat tire on my car, you know, I didn't know what to do. And then I used to ring my dad. I remember my dad had a very weird way of doing it. My dad wouldn't help me at first. He'd, 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 he'd say, right, Malcolm, have a think about what you, have a think about a solution and call me back in five or 10 minutes. So he'd literally put the phone down. Obviously, I'm not, I wasn't in any imminent danger, so he'd put the phone down. I'd have to think about how to solve the problem. I'd call him back with like a solution. I know it sounds really weird. It sounds really tough. 
and it's not something I'd necessarily do. No. But I feel like it's made me into a very efficient person. So I feel like when it comes to problem solving, when it comes to a logical, a logical approach to, to, to solving things, I'd say that's probably what I'm most grateful for. So when things do happen to me that might rattle the average person, I just go into a state of just, I'm just very, very solutions-based. So I'm probably grateful. Mm. It just means that any, 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 any of like any, when any, when life sort of hiccups can come by, I'm just grateful for how well I can just bounce back from it and just sort of think of a solution and just deal with it and just handle it and just keep it moving. Because yeah. I'm in a state of knowing that something's going to pop up at some, at some, at some point. I just have to have a calm approach. So that's where I'm most grateful for mm. myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably in my mind. So you trust, you trust there's always a solution? Yeah, I trust there's always a solution. Like, obviously there's certain things that are out of your control, but most of the things that are in your control, you can genuinely solve. So, yeah, arguably all the things that are in your control, you can solve, arguably. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable today. I really appreciate it. And I think, um, yeah, your story is really lovely like i think the way that you've shared it has been really informational and i think people will take a lot from you know what's been said today so thank you yeah, grateful to be here thank you thank you very much so this section of the podcast is normally ask the coach however this week the question um about generational trauma i opened up to malcolm because i thought it was really good to discuss within the podcast so um, if you have any more Ask the Coach questions, we're just going to keep it short and sweet this week, but I'd love to hear from you for the next episode because we've got some really great guests coming up. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you shared it and click the follow button. For more content and to send in your Ask the Coach questions, you can find me on Instagram at Voyage MCR. Thank you. <laughs>